Thanks so much for having me. Um, just to say, I've got a phenomenal team with me too. So Pete and Amanda, wave. Do your, do your, do your, do your team dance. Later. Okay, later. And um, and Kate. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it's it's such a privilege to be here. We, um, I just feel very at home amongst you guys, and such a privilege. It's, it's just so wonderful to worship together. So many hungry people, so many gifted people in this room, I can just tell. So um, thanks so much for having us. Um, just to let you know, if you weren't here this morning, um, there's a couple of my books, my only books, I've only written two. Um, but I, anyway, it's that was prophetic. There'll be some more, I'm sure. But uh, I've, they're on sale this, e this afternoon. Uh, Naturally Supernatural is really about being like Jesus and seeing people healed and seeing people come to know him and prophesying over people who don't yet know him without being weird. And it's just lots of stories of how I've learned to do that over the years, still really learning lessons about that. But that's this one. And then this one is all about leadership. And um, it's for all of us. We're all called to influence people wherever God calls us to be. And it's really my journey of how I learned to lead more out of security. So I used to be very insecure um, didn't really like who I was and I've learned that you can lead as an insecure person and you can lead as a secure person and the fruit of your leadership looks very different and so that's just lots of stories of where I got it wrong and where I've learned some lessons and so you can get them at the end if you want um eight pound each or seven pound for no 14 pound for two that was almost a really good deal <laughs> eight pounds each or 14 pounds for two okay um, so if it's okay with you guys, I'm going to be led, led by the Spirit in the next little while. Is that okay to be doing that here? So we might go off-piste slightly, um, but I think that's okay. I'm just increasingly wanting to learn to obey God because the, the truth is if all you hear from this, this afternoon is me, um, you won't get a whole lot. Whereas if I listen to what God is asking me to do and respond and go where he wants me to go, then it's likely that God's really going to rock up. So um, I wanted to start by doing something I haven't done for a long time. And uh, I just wanted to uh, commend um, Ben and Emily to you guys. Um, now, I know this church is led by a team and uh, a phenomenal team. We were just having lunch around the, dinner, the lunch table and hearing about the different people on the team. But I, I just felt prompted to um, just take a moment to honour these guys. Because I get to travel around a fair bit. I mean, obviously, less so around COVID. But I meet a lot of leaders. And the one, one of the things I um, look for in leaders, if I'm ever looking to raise people up, is really above anything else is humility. Because if a leader is humble, then you know that they're going to be looking to Jesus. And I just want to say to you guys, these guys are the real deal. Okay, we were sat around the table. One of the first things Ben said to me and the team was, if you've got anything you want to speak into from this morning or just generally, please tell us. Now, that I just want to tell you guys, that is not common. Not many people ask my opinion when I travel around. Okay, so immediately I was like, wow, that's real humility. And I just want to say to you, you can trust this leadership. Okay, you can fully lean your full weight into this leadership and into the leadership team. But guys, can you just stand real quick? Um, just stand there. And 
I don't know how this is going to work, but let's stand with them. Um, there's something about, you know, in the kingdom, everyone's loved the same by God, but there's also something, when you celebrate some people, it's like you get the reward of their breakthroughs. I don't know if you understand that in the kingdom. It, when we, as we honour these guys now, it's going to open up more space for them to lean into, and that is going to be for the benefit of everybody. Um, and so I just want us to do this. In a minute, I, I'm going to get us to uh, pretend that we are the cloud of witnesses in heaven. And I want us to celebrate these guys because they have, they have paid the price in a lot of ways. Lots of stuff you won't be aware of. Um, they've paid the price in a lot of ways. And I want them to hear the well done of heaven. And then I'm just going to pray for them. But I want us to just stretch out our hands if you're nearby and you're feeling okay about it, just grab your hands on them. And we're just going to have a family moment, okay? And we're just going to honour these guys, pray blessing over them, and then we'll crack on with whatever else God wants to do. So uh, you just receive, just receive. And I'm just going to um, count down three, two, one, and we're going to lift up like heaven's applause over Ben and Emily, and I believe that the Lord's going to do something amazing just in hearing that, okay? Team, feel free to gather around. So, are you guys ready? Okay, three, two, one. Come on, let's go for it. Woo! Yes, go. Come on, guys, keep going. Keep going. Receive it, guys. Receive it. Keep going. Thank you, Father. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just stretch out your hands, guys. Stretch out your hands. Add, add your full weight to this prayer. Father, we just thank you for Ben and Emily. We honour them. We honour them. We recognise the gifting in them. We recognise uh, your gifting in them, your hand upon them. We honour them, God. We recognise your call on their lives, and we want to thank you for them. We, Father, we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for their yes. Even though sometimes it's been reluctant, thank you, thank you, God, for their yes. Thank you that this church family is in really safe hands because these guys know their need of you. Wow. <laughs> we, we just thank you for them, God, and we pray that in this moment, we just, I don't even know how this works, but God, I pray a spiritual something to happen in this moment, which means that these guys and the leadership team and other leaders in this church will step into a new space, a new space, that anything holding this church family back would be broken in the name of Jesus. Anything holding Ben and Emily back would be broken in the name of Jesus. Any, anything holding any of the leaders back would be broken in Jesus' name. And we just pray for a new liberty and freedom to be fully yourselves and to run after Jesus and to just go for it. I just declare and release life 
over you guys and this church family. Father, I pray that this church family would step into an entirely new space with you. I pray for favour, blessings, miracles, kingdom, presence of God. God, just multiply, multiply what you've got for this church family. We ask you in your precious name, Jesus, and for your glory. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thanks, guys. It's really good. Just whenever you think about it, encourage, encourage leaders around here, okay? Leaders don't get loads of encouragement, and people think they don't need it, but I want to say we really do. Okay, so just lots of encouragement all around the tracks. Okay. Uh, I just I want I want to speak a little bit about um, God as our Father in, in this session. But I want to leave a chunk of time for ministry. So uh, let's see how we get on. Uh, but I just want to I just want to say to you that I think one of the things that's had the most profound influence on my life has been getting to know God as my Father. Okay, not just as head knowledge. So we all know that God is a Father. We all know that you know. Jesus taught the disciples to pray, our Father. But there's a huge difference between knowing God as your Father as head knowledge, as intellectual information, and knowing him as your Father through revelation from the Holy Spirit. Because when you know him as Father through revelation from the Holy Spirit, it changes everything. When you know God as your Father, it changes how you relate to him. When you know God is your father, it changes how you see yourself because you learn that you are a son or daughter and the God of the universe is your dad. That changes things a little bit. It also changes how you reach out to other people and how you love other people because you realize that the love that you've received from him is also there to be given away to the people around us. And so it changes everything. And uh, Jesus came to reveal the father. And I don't know if you know this, but the greatest miracle of the cross was not that your sins were forgiven. <gasps> What's she saying? No, the greatest miracle of the cross was that you were, you were adopted. The purpose of your sins being forgiven was so that you could be adopted by a heavenly father. That's the greatest miracle. And Jesus came to reveal the father. He told his disciples... Um, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because his disciples, he's having a conversation with his disciples at one point, and they're like, just show us the Father. And he's like, oh, guys, you haven't got it again. I love the disciples. He's like, guys, I've been with you all this time. Don't you realize I and the Father are one? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I want us to look at Jesus, uh, just a few examples from Jesus' life that teach us some things about the Father. And then we're going to pray and meet with the Father. Um, so let me tell you a few things that are hopefully going to encourage you. One, our Father can use anyone. Okay, look at Jesus and the disciples he picked. It should give you lots of comfort. Peter chopped off someone's ear. I mean, I've not led anyone to, the, to date who has chopped off someone's ear. And Jesus quickly has to heal the guy and stick the ear back on and says, Peter, stop it. I mean, that, that, was, that was a bit awkward. Um, James and John are called the sons of thunder. They try to wipe out a whole Samaritan village because they reject Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, shall we call down fire from heaven? 
And Jesus again is like, gosh, you've got it wrong. Um, the tax collector, Matthew, nobody liked him. Jesus chose him. Mary Magdalene, spiritually oppressed by numbers of demons. Jesus chose her, set her free so that she could follow him. I mean, you look at Jesus' choice of disciples. It should be an encouragement that God loves to use anyone. No one's disqualified. So whether you are educated or uneducated, rich or poor, male or female, married or single, you've got kids, you don't have kids, you feel confident or you feel scared, you're healthy or sick, you're an introvert or an extrovert, doesn't matter. Nothing disqualifies us from being called by God to do the stuff that he wants us to do, to have influence where he's called us to have influence. If you ever think... I am disqualified. If you ever compare yourself with someone else and think, well, they're better than me, you need to stop it. Because you look at Jesus, he teaches us about the Father. Everyone's in. Anyone can be used powerfully by him. Second thing, God loves to provide. We, we follow a Father who loves to provide. And not just enough, over and above I love the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and how Jesus takes five loaves and two fish and feeds 5,000 men plus women and children by looking up to his father, blessing the food. And then the disciples get to hand this food out. And it says everyone was satisfied. And then the disciples pick up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. Have you actually sat and thought about this story before? It's crazy. You read that and you might think, what a waste. Why? Like, I can understand that everyone would be filled and satisfied, but why isn't it? Why didn't you just do enough? Like, there was the last bit of morsel, and oh, the last person, that would be amazing, just, just enough. But we've got 12 baskets of leftover food going to waste. Why? Well, I tell you, I think the reason is that Jesus wants to teach us about the Father, that he's abundant. He's not the father of just enough. He's the father of lavish, over-the-top provision and generosity. That's what he's like. I, um, I've learned this amazingly with finances. I want to say to you, if you are not regularly giving into the church, you really got to start because it's such a beautiful, fun adventure. And my personal testimony is you can never outgive God. You just can't. I remember several years ago when I was working for the King's Arms, I was in a conference. Someone picked me out and prophesied over me. One of the things he said is, you've been looking at your salary, and, you're, and basically he was saying, you're going to stop working for the church, and you've been looking at your salary, and you're working at how is this going to work financially for me, and God says, don't panic. And I hadn't been looking at my salary, so I was a bit like, I don't really know what that means. But not long after that prophetic word, a couple of people came up to me and said, we want to start giving to you every month. And I was like, I don't really, okay. It's never happened to me before. I was like, okay, what do you want me to do with the money? Like, I didn't need the money. I, didn't, I don't need the money. But people started giving me money. And it was God's kind way of getting me ready to stop working for the church and launch my own ministry. And he was teaching me in that I'm a father who provides. And I have had so much fun over the years giving money away and seeing him provide. Even this month. This month, uh, someone gave me a chunk of money, quite a big amount of money, and it came in. And I don't, I don't need the money. I've got loads of money. I'm single. 
All my money is mine. I've got stacks of money, okay? I don't need the money. And, uh, and they, they gave me this chunk of money. I thought, I'm just going to... There was a need I saw on Facebook. I thought, I'm just going to give it straight away. So I gave it to these people, and it didn't cost me anything. Over the last two weeks, I have been given three times the amount that I gave away. I still don't need the money. <laughs> what am I going to do with all this money? It's like, maybe I should give all that away and see if it just triples again. Maybe, maybe that's how it works. But the reality is you cannot outgive God. You just can't. He loves to provide. So if you've got some need uh, this afternoon, God wants to meet your need and not just meet it. Uh, thirdly, um, we've got a father who's unbelievably kind. I think a little girl once asked me what my favourite thing about God was. And uh, I said, I think it's his kindness. I love the kindness of God. Um, so many examples we can look at in scripture. Uh, the way he dealt with the woman caught in adultery. Just love that story. The kindness of Jesus. Jesus was so kind to her. It shows us that we're following a father who's kind. Um, Zacchaeus. Jesus picked him out. Sitting in a tree. Want to come and hang out at your house? Kindness of God. No one else liked him. Woman who poured perfume over Jesus' feet. I love that story. Kindness. Jesus is kind to her. The disciple was like, what a waste. Jesus is like, no. <laughs> Don't mess with my daughter. Kindness of God. But the one I just want to quickly look at is um, the woman with the issue of blood. Love that story. She would have been rejected by society. She'd been sick for 12 years. She, was, she tried everything. She was desperate. And she knew that Jesus was walking by, and so she pushed through the crowd. She should not have been there. She went up to Jesus, touched the hem of his garment, and was completely healed in that instant. And then she shrink, shrunk back into the crowd. She shouldn't have been there. And Jesus stops. He's on his way to stop a little girl dying. So he's got a lot going on. But he waits. Why? Well, I think it's because he's wanting to be kind. Because in waiting for her to show herself, what it meant was not just she knew she was healed, but everyone knew she was healed. And because everyone knew she was healed, she was instantly restored to community. Amazing. If it was me, I'd be like, oh, okay, someone's been healed. Okay, I'm going to crack on and save this little girl's life. It turns out she actually dies, but Jesus raised her from the dead anyway. He's so kind. And I just want to testify with you that that is true for each one of us. We have a father who is incredibly kind. And when you follow Jesus, I don't know if you've learnt this, but it doesn't mean that everything is all of a sudden hunky-dory. Did you guys realise that? And uh, that's, that's true for all of us. And just to give you uh, just a, a snapshot of some of my story, two years ago, I'm, I'm single, I don't have children. Two years ago, I um, had to have a, a hysterectomy. Um, and it was, I'd had some issues with some stuff on my cysts over several years, but then I had a meeting with a consultant and pretty much out of the blue, I did not expect that he was going to be saying that. I thought that I was actually doing okay. But his recommendation to me was that I should have a hysterectomy and um, I had to make the decision about what to do. And uh, between that and having the hysterectomy was about six weeks. It was just it was pretty traumatic. It was 
hard, it was painful, it was confusing. Um, and no one told me about how my body would be messed up with hormone stuff. And even the last month, I've had some challenges with regard to that. So this is ongoing. There's an ongoing cost, not, not just in my physical body, but obviously the pain of not having my own children it's, it's, it's been confusing, it's been painful. If he's a good father and he loves to heal, why didn't he break in? Those kind of questions. Anyone had those questions? But I, I want to testify to you guys that God is incredibly kind. Like, above, above and beyond kind. And um, I remember before I went into the hospital, I, I heard that there was a ward in the hospital called the Orchard Ward, and it's not where I'd recovered previously when I'd had other surgeries, but I felt God said to me, you are going to recover on the orchard ward, and it's a prophetic sign of the fruit that's going to come out of this, this season. So when I woke up from the surgery, I heard people talking around me, and I heard, oh, yeah, we're going to take her up to the orchard ward. I was like, okay, this is awesome. Um, and so that, that was encouraging. That was amazing in and of itself. Uh, but then six months later, um, uh, I had a friend come up to me and she said, uh, oh, I, ha I hadn't seen her for six months. And she said, I need, I've been meaning to get in touch with you because back in August, which is when I had the surgery, I was praying for you and I had a picture of you. I was on the train and I had a picture of you in your garden and there was this huge apple tree in the garden and you were wearing this dress and you were collecting apples in the skirt of your dress and she said, you were just laughing hysterically because there was so much fruit. Like you didn't know what to do with it. You couldn't put it all in the dress. You just got to put stuff up and it cut popping out. And you're just like, ah, laughing hysterically. And she had, she had no idea about what God had said to me about the fruit that he was promising in this, in this season. And it was such an encouragement to me. Again, it was the kindness of God reminding me. And then we went into lockdown, and I was like, God, where is this fruit? I can't even travel. <laughs> like, what, what's going on? I thought I was going to travel and see amazing things, and then we were stuck at home. And then my godson, who was seven at the time, decided he wanted to paint me and my housemate a picture. And, uh, and his mum brought it round, and when I opened it up, it was a picture of an apple tree with someone stood in front of it. And I was like, wow, the kindness of God. He is so kind. He's been kind to me in terms of encouraging me, providing for me. He's been kind for me, to me in terms of the people he's put around me when I've needed a good cry because I've needed to grieve the pain and the loss. He's been kind to me in more ways than I could possibly imagine or communicate. He is such a kind father. And you need to know whatever's going on for you, he is kind. <laughs> and lastly... He enters into our pain. I had to, I've had to process a lot of grief around the hysterectomy. It's ongoing. The thing about grief is you don't do it once and then you're sorted. You, you, there's more. There's always more. There's always deeper healing and freedom. And we need to know that he's a father who enters into our pain because it's really important for us that we connect with pain because if we don't, we tend to harden our hearts and if we harden our hearts, we can't receive all that he's got for us. Whereas if we give him the pain and we express the pain to him, he can enter into that place and bring healing and breakthrough. We see this, uh, uh, that, that God loves to enter into our pain. When we look at Lazarus, 
um, and what went on with him. Lazarus um, was a friend of Jesus, brother of Mary and Martha. They were all friends of Jesus. He got sick. The sisters sent for Jesus, said, your friend is sick. Uh, and, but Jesus didn't go immediately. Jesus waited. In fact, it was his plan to wait so that Lazarus would die so that he'd be able to go and raise Lazarus from the dead. But the sisters did not know this, and Jesus was late. And when he rocked up, he saw Mary and Martha, and it says, when Jesus saw her weeping, um, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And later at the tomb, Jesus wept. What's it teach us? Our Father enters into our pain. He's not indifferent about it. He's not distant. He's not a robot in the sky just kind of orchestrating life. He enters into our pain because he knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he could have said, guys, don't cry. Resurrection's coming. It's all going to be okay. But he doesn't do that. He weeps. Amazing. And he could say, in your circumstance, in your situation, don't panic. Resurrection's coming. He could say to me, don't cry, Wendy. Resurrection's coming. But he doesn't do that. He sits with me in my pain. And he weeps with me. And he comforts me. And he speaks truth to me. But he's not indifferent. And he's not distant. And we need to know that. Because when you allow the Father to come and sit with you in your pain... You step into healing and freedom. And I can tell you from experience, if you have the option to keep your heart shuttered up to protect it so that you don't feel any more pain, or open it up to the Father and feel really deep pain, but let him in, there is no contest. The reason I feel so alive on the inside is because I've chosen this road of when it's really painful, being honest with God and letting him come in to meet with me and minister to me. He enters into our pain. He's really kind. And so we're going to pray. This is a lifelong journey. Just to say, when it comes to knowing God as Father through revelation, don't change the subject. If you ever feel like, I know all this, Father, blah, 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 you've missed the point. You will never, ever, ever comprehend how amazing he is as your dad. Ever. <laughs> There's always going to be more to learn. But let's, let's take some moment to go a little bit deeper in the revelation. Now, why don't we stand together? Thank you, Father.